The Things We All Carry is a podcast about first responders and their stories surrounding trauma on the job. The intention of this podcast is to raise awareness and share meaningful conversation around a subject often viewed as taboo or simply ignored. Be aware this content may be graphic and it is real. It may not be suitable for children or adults triggered by this subject matter. Welcome to episode 66 of The Things We All Carry. This is the second in a series of impromptu pop-up style interviews that I conducted a few weeks ago. Chris and Dan joined me for a conversation from their firehouse in DC. 32 Engine is based in Southeast DC and Chris is the wagon driver, Dan is a lieutenant, as well as being a member of his department's peer support team. Dan and I have interacted off and on via social media for a while now. always seeming to almost cross paths. I appreciated the time to sit, have a conversation, and at least put a voice to the name. The city was kind enough to give us an uninterrupted hour on a Saturday night, and I will tell you that Dan texted me the next morning to report they ended up running 20 calls that shift. Our conversation was unscripted and as impromptu as it gets. We hit on a variety of topics to include peer support, line-of-duty deaths, living and working in the chaos, and crew life. This audio will seem a little raw, and I left it that way on purpose. After all, they were calling in from the bay of their firehouse while on shift. I felt it deserved to be heard that way. A quick reminder to please help us build a community which not only recognizes but supports each other through the struggles and recovery. Reach out through Instagram at the things we all carry or email my story at the things we all to offer support and share your story. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and give a shout out to any first responder you know, love, or care about. Y'all enjoy the show. What's up, buddy? What's happening? How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. We're just sitting out here. Shit. While we wait for the truck, actually got out of. Oh yeah. Yep. No, he runs the house though. <laughs> well, as a truckie, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna chime in on that one. How about that? We won't hold that against you. Happens. <laughs> so as You're a day, probably David... laying in bed having this conversation as we speak. Ooh, me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I wish I was. I'm. I'm ready for bed though. You know, we got to get our sleep. It's our beauty sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> you guys taking the phone call. So who, and who's around by the way? Uh, so right now it's myself, my wagon driver and two backstep guys are kind of floating around. Yeah. You're safe. You're safe. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. Um, what does, uh, what does a Saturday night in, in Southeast bring you? <laughs> Uh, it, it, so we just found out there's a boxing tournament, uh, at one of like the, the St. Elizabeth's campus. They turned, uh, they built like an arena. It's actually where like the, the mystics play their home basketball games, but there's like a, a best or a boxing tournament going on. And supposedly some of the boxers have gang beats. So that could spill out into the evening. Um, we, we, we ran a, a box and ended up not being anything in about, 10 cars going to a car race or a car show or heading down the road flying past us. Long story short is you never know what Southeast is going to be more sour. Yep. It there could be, go. it could be a nice, quiet, you know, highly, highly doubted, or it could be, you know, 20 runs later. So I know you see every wagon driver and two backstep guys floating around. Uh, how about some names? Are you guys willing to share names? Yeah. 
Go for it. Introduce yourselves. Tell, tell me so, who you uh, are and how long you've been on the job. And and let's let's specify. When I say Southeast, these guys are running out of uh, Southeast DC. Yeah. And uh, uh, tell me tell me what the house is. So we're at thirty two engine on Irving Street in Southeast. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm going to preface this because uh, I just did an hour plus interview with somebody that that also responded to a, to this post I made. I just made a, a post and said, hey, who wants to do an impromptu conversation? And you guys responded. So what we're going to talk about, I have no I have no fucking idea, to be honest with you. But uh, we'll see what we can get into. So go ahead, take some turns and introduce yourself. So uh, I'm the lieutenant on the, uh, the wagon, engine 32. I've been here. Oh, almost 18 months now, just shy. Uh, when I got promoted to lieutenant, this was the spot that I got. I put in for it. I knew what I was going to kind of get out of it. I knew what it could entail. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been some many a sleepless nights, 20 plus runs a day. Uh, but I couldn't ask for a better crew to work with. Everybody comes to work. Everybody wants to be here. It's not a uh, punishment house in any sorts. Uh, we, you know, we share with the truck, the truck and the engine, they, we get along as much as we bust balls with each other. So it's been, it's definitely seen, seen a world of difference in a, in a side of the city that not too many people go, go into unless you, uh, you know it. So you and I have gone back and forth a couple of times, um, yep. on we some, actually, some different, some different topics. Go ahead. What were you going to say? We first kind of interacted there when Travis Howes came to. Prince William yeah. back in March of last year. So, um, I know you came down and listened to him talk. Yep. And, and then I somehow that, that day we missed each other. Yep. Yep. Not really sure how, because there's only about what, 75 people in the audience, but we still missed each other. And then you guys had Travis up there as well. Yeah. We had him twice back to back days. Right. So, and then um, you're also uh, doing it might, get, it, might get loud for a second. They got a, a 23 year old uh truck pulling in. Oh, yeah, then it's gonna make that, some noise. That, that's how our uh, our apparatus state is right now. 23 years old. How many miles on that thing? Uh, it's pretty beat up. It's an old, it's an old Pierce, but it's a reserve fleet. So you also did the 62 Romeo. <laughs> there you go. You you also did the 62 Romeo, correct? Oh, we just, we just finished that a couple weeks ago. Um, myself and three guys. Okay. So three guys one from the house? Guy. No, one guy from the house. And then um, another guy on the department who's actually in another Southeast company over a 15 inch and it's pretty busy. Okay. So that's actually very, very good. Like I would recommend it um, for anybody to learn how to sleep or to not learn how to sleep, but sleep while you're at work or on your days off. Easier to manage your sleep. So are we, are, let's go with this. Are we going to use names here tonight? No, we can. Okay. So what's your name? Uh, Dan Brown. Okay. And let's talk to your wagon driver. What's his name? I'm, uh, Chris Rudder. Okay. In, uh, in DC for 
16 years, 13 in Southeast, eight years as a wagon driver. Now in DC, are you dedicated as a driver? That's all I do. Come to work every day and drive the wagon. You say that's all you do, but come on. I mean, that's, that's important. Yes. No, no, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not taking away from that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know, I know you're not. I don't I know detailed. You're not. I don't. Uh, I don't ride the ambulance thing. Uh, look, oh, hi, how are you? Um, yeah, that's my sole job. I know where I'm at every single. Yeah, you know where you're at every single day, and you know where you're going every single day. That's the that's the important uh-huh. part. Here, here. Sure. sure. It's sad. You can get it on it if you want, but it's required. It's a, like a mental health discussion. You're all good. <laughs> yeah, no, he, so I, he stepped up and get a chair, but as a wagon driver, you know, we have a pretty intricate testing process. Um, starts out as a in-house test, which is the area in which you respond to. Um, then after that test is passed, you go down to our training academy to do a in-depth uh, wagon or apparatus that you're testing on test. Practical test. Practical test. So and what, then from so, there, you're, you're you know, assigned to the, the shift that has the vacancy and your sole responsibility is yourself and the wagon and the three other people that work with you each day. So is, there, is that a promotion or, or is that just a, a lateral thing? No, it's a promote. I mean, it's a, a step up in pay. Okay. For sure. And the reason and I asked that, in my county, we're, we're all expected to be engine drivers. Right. Right. So all my all my guys on the backs um, are expected to be as well. Um, and But the only time they get to fulfill those duties 100% is if I take off. Okay. Um. But, you know, they, they, they'll they drive throughout the day on uh, medicals or local alarms or, or whatever. Um, but uh, obviously, they they want to get dressed and play uh, when we go to a box alarm. Oh, don't we all, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so who else is going to join the conversation? No, I can sit up for right now. Okay, cool. Two, I don't know where, like I said, I have no idea where this conversation will go. I, I, the, the first thing that came to mind is it's, it's May is mental health month. And I kind of want to say, or find out where, um, what mental health means in DC uh, for DC fire department. It's it's ever evolving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Explain it, that. It, it's definitely getting better. Um, it, Peer support team um, and the guys, uh, grassroots, um, are doing a lot to reduce the stigma um, of wanting to talk to somebody about something that's going on. Um, if there is a... So I, I, I've been in and out of the conversation. I don't know if Dan told you, but he is the peer support coordinator for the city. I knew that, but we hadn't talked about it yet on here. So go okay. ahead. Great. So um, whenever there is a potentially critical incident that could affect guys, he gets a text message. Um, and, you know, and if he's working, he checks in. If 
one or the other. I'll let him explain how things happen. Um, guys are still, my experience, semi-resistant to talking to the team immediately after the incident. Um, how many follow up uh, later on, I don't know. Uh, but I know that, uh, you know, guys uh, no longer look at it as a, reputation buster or you know something to be ashamed of and that's taken a little bit too because like we'll if we run an incident or something we'll we've got it to the point where a lot of the officers will and the chiefs will uh you know make it known hey you don't need to talk about it now but you guys need anything peer support's there this is what we gotta do here's the number and yeah, we've had people reach out the day or two after before the next shift. Um, so it's taken, you know, it's taken a while to build that. Um, we're actually going to try to, you know, kind of do a mental health blitz of sorts and try to hit as many firehouses on Wednesdays from this month, you know, to, to comp- encompass mental health awareness month, but then keep it going. So we have uh, posters created. In every firehouse, we've actually now expanded to do like a magnet. So they're on every refrigerator. They can be put on the filing cabinet. So like the number is there. The more people see it, the more they know about it. Um, you know, we don't get phone call every day, but I mean, it comes in spurts. We'll have three or four days where it seems like it's every, every couple hours there's a phone call. Or, you know, we'll go days with nothing, but people still reach out. And then people also know people that are on the team and they reach out to them direct. So let me, let me sideways this conversation for a minute. What does peer support deal with for the members? It, I mean, we've probably dealt with everything, whether it's financial oh. stuff, relationships, uh, stress of the job and substance abuse. Substance abuse has been another, uh, a big one. We've actually built decent relationship with behavioral health coordinator of our police and fire has kind of an open an open door policy we'll say that we can get people in to her for like a telehealth or for an initial visit she's reported that there's been a lot of good interaction with her and with her staff it's not so so much as it's uncomfortable now to reach out to them or you know, go to the clinic. We tell people, if you go on your days off, you get compensated for it. They're like, wait, I can get paid to go talk to the doctor? Like, Absolutely. Like, everybody's like, well, wait, maybe so, I'll go So now. you go talk to a therapist, you get compensated for it? If you go to the department's um, police and fire clinic, compensated for it on your day long. And it's, you know, it's, you know, can be considered, it's job related. Okay. So it's kind of, I mean, guys are like, really? I can hear, like, yes, you, you've gone to the clinic, gone somewhere that the department provides you a service, you get it on a day you're not working. Yeah. Cause even, I mean, in my county, if, if, if you make an appointment on the day you're working, you have to take your own sick time to, to take that appointment. Right. And, and then and, if it's a day you're not working, you just have to, all right, well, you're, you're going to do it and you just do it on your own time. No, because you check in and you check out. So it's considered, you know, you're there with, you know, with the representative department. So we've 
people realize that it's like, oh, oh, makes sense now. Yeah, like that's that I like that 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 has a nice touch to it. And we actually just posted the city just posted a six figure position for our own behavioral health uh, coordinator for the DC Fire Department, which you know would encompass training, working with peer support teams, working major incidents. Uh, we have also three three trained. They uh, call them therapy dogs. They're changing the names of those, but we have three dogs uh, with two more in training. Our dogs have gone. One of the handlers just got back from FDIC with worldwide peer support and another uh, network group. Um, the other one of the other dogs was just up at uh, Family Day in Emmitsburg uh, yesterday. So we're you know getting known for having dogs. They you know, they, they, those that it's the two that started it, they were their own personal dogs they went into training with. So, so you you say that it's it's becoming more acceptable in the city, correct? Mm-hmm. So it, it isn't. It, it isn't in your um, time in DC. What 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 what's been the progression? So we had had the old. Critical incidents, stress management. Um, and those were just major incidents. Nobody really thought of those as like a check uh, process. And then we went to a color-coded, and I think you guys actually still do it, the stress first date, which is like the color code of how your feelings are. on Yeah, the green, days. yellow, red kind of thing. And, and that really didn't work either because it was, it was somebody from management coming out and presenting so the, the one big progression I've seen is, uh, it's two big progressions, actually. Uh, number one is follow-up, right? So CISM came out. Uh, they locked you in a room uh, with peers. They were like, okay, let's talk about it. Wow. Nobody wants to talk about it, right? Because nobody wants to open up and uh, you all just kind of sit there and look at each other for a half hour. People walk out the room. They don't follow up with anybody. Uh, so it sits and stews and uh, builds up inside of guys. Uh, and I use that term across the board for male and female. Uh, but the other thing is uh, getting peers involved. And when deal with people on the team, you're not dealing with a lieutenant. You're dealing with a person, dealing with a peer they actually care about you and they give you follow-up phone calls to check in on you, you know, 42 out uh, 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is later, just to say, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, just, just checking in, see if you need to talk. So, you know, the level of give a shit is going way up. And, and I definitely think that, uh, you know, in our, in the last, 10 years uh, as a broad stroke. I mean, we've had uh, two members commit suicide. And I, and I think that that really uh, opened a lot of eyes, unfortunately, but fortunately. Yeah, it's such a double-edged sword, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've been open and honest about why I created this this podcast, and it was because of the suicides we had 
in, in this area one year. And we had five in, in our area because, I mean, where I live now is kind of stretching it because I'm, I'm south of, of Prince William in Virginia. But so you say the DMV, but it's, it's, we had five in a year. That's, that's a, and th those are the known ones that, that are actually reported as suicides. Right. Yep. And that, I think that's, well, a, that, that's a big point because I don't think everything is reported that is actually a suicide. Well, and it, even if it is reported, it may not be linked back to the job. Correct. You know, so. So what does, I, I, I just got off an hour long phone call with, 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 a, with somebody that, that she, um, she works as a call taker for police. And her point was she, she heard somebody talk about uh, a change of vernacular and taking it from mental health to, to men, mental fitness. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, and I think that's kind of where some of the change is trying to go to of like, you know, everybody tries to stay in shape um, physically, but we're we're missing the mental aspect of it. And, you know, that goes back to some of the sleep stuff too. You know, that's, we got we to run. Go I do your thing, man. Give me a call back when I you get a chance. Give me a call back. All right, brother. We don't, oh, we, we don't have a run. The truck's oh. got it. Oh, truck got it? All right. Truck takes lift assists. We do all the rest. <laughs> uh, well, it, I'm at uh, one of my, de the, the place I'm at now, actually, I'm on the truck, but we don't take a lift assist normally. And that, that's foreign to me that we don't. Oh, yeah. The trucks, they, they, the engines of the trucks, I mean, we'll take it if we're super close, but the truck will take a lift assist and we'll probably end up taking like a medical instead. Right. But, um, yeah, I think the idea mental wellness comes to, you know, and changing instead of, you know, talking about it, it's just kind of always staying in the right frame of mind and understanding that self self care also is part of that. And you know, being able to have a network inside and outside your firehouse. Um, you know, the group the ship ship shift text messages when somebody does something silly or, you know, does something off cuff and you guys can all laugh and joke about it. It's good too, but it also shows that, you know, when something, when one of the guys is off or one of the family members are having something going on, like we all can reach out to each other. We're starting to see too, they're bringing back post COVID all the interactive stuff that we used to have. Um, Fishing tournaments have come back. Bowling tournaments are possibly coming back. Golf outings have come back. Shift. Christmas parties shift. Uh, summer gatherings have come back. And I think for the time period of COVID, we didn't have those. Everybody just, you know, came to work and went home because nobody wanted to interact. And now that that's coming back, you're starting to you're starting to learn more more about people spend, you know, a quarter of the year with. You, you bring up a good point. Um, I, I don't know how DC is and, and I don't know where the majority of you guys find your homes and, and, and call home when you work in DC, but I know in Prince William and you guys know our Prince William is we're, we're, we're yep. to you guys, we're kind of out in the suburbs. Um, but we're a bedroom community and, and most of us can't afford to live in the County that, that we work in. Um, 
And so we're scattered. I mean, I, I've worked on a crew where I've had a, a guy who lives in West Virginia to a guy who lives down near King's Dominion. And we we're on the same crew and we're talking about a three hour difference in, in drive. And, and so to do things outside of work is damn near impossible. What are you guys finding for your crew in DC? So I think we're also, we don't have that Northern Virginia schedule. Mm, you're right. 2472. So we try to do on our middle days all. We're probably, I mean, two things close to the city, as close to the city as possible because the city's pretty much the central for a hub for most of us. Because, like me personally, I live an hour away uh, to the northwest. Um, I'm over by Collis, people guy in Fredericksburg. So we're kind of we're kind of spread out as well, uh, but we also have a good number of members. Um, close to the Beltway and live here in the city because the city has uh, some pretty awesome housing programs uh, for uh, firemen. So that helps. That That's a huge plus. Yeah, definitely. I, di- I didn't realize that about the city. And we've had guys too that have lived in the city their whole life. You know, still live, you know, live in the neighborhood almost, you know, just a couple guys. Their house is in our first deal. So they have that luxury too. And they, they, they all like to, we, we like to get together too, which helps. That's, that's a huge help because if you actually want to hang out with people or hang out with each other, obviously that's going to lend itself to, to doing it. So again, this is unscripted, so I'm not sure where we're going to go with this. Is there anything you guys wanted to, to address specifically while we talk? No, I just, you know, like right now, I got goat roped into this. I didn't know. You got roped into it? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't. But hey, this guy's calling me. This is, you know, from the podcast. It's, it's like an interview right now. It's, you, it's like, you're oh, like, what oh, podcast? Jesus Christ. No, I don't no, listen to no, that no, shit. No, no I'm, I'm familiar. I'm him. He actually, <laughs> oh, Chris was the one that got me with, into the Travis house, and we went down there together. Nice. Hey guys, quick break right here just to check in and thank each of you for listening to the show. Your support has been paramount and I appreciate all of you. I have one request though. I need you to share the show with everyone you know. Help me get the word out and spread these stories as far and as wide as we can. While you're at it, please leave a review of the show wherever you happen to listen. Feel free to reach out to me at any time to share your story, to talk, or to pass on suggestions. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Well, I, I think I'll go back to, I go back to what I, I led with. What does Saturday in the Southeast of DC bring you? What, like, what, what is it like to run in, in, in your station? I don't know. I mean, I know what it's like to run in my station on a Saturday, but what's it like so, on, and on I mean, any day for you guys? So no, no night is no night's the same. And, you know, we've been eerily quiet today. Uh, that doesn't bode well. It doesn't because I always say that the city is going to get 25 runs out of us in a day period. One way or the it other. It doesn't matter way. whether they space it over 24 hours or 12 hours. They're going to get their runs. Um, so we can, um, for example, we didn't sit down to eat dinner at night till 8 o'clock uh, because we 
as I hope most firehouses across the country are, um, are very big on sitting down at the table and eating together. So that we share stories and we can share and have fun. Um, but we also, even if dinner's ready at six, let's say, um, if one company is out, the other company will wait so that we can all sit down together. So, yeah, so we eat at eight. And we're probably going to run, I don't know, eight, four, four thirty in the morning. You know, it'll calm down. What does your shift and, and run from what, what, from what time to what time? Seven to seven. Okay. For the most part, uh, everybody's here by six, five thirty, six o'clock. And then, you know, usually we'll get relief hopefully by six tomorrow. Some guys will work overtime. Our, our mandatory callbacks have started. So mm. We have that, you know bringing the morale and the, the spirits of everybody up as they have you know, weekend plans that have to be canceled because the department needs you to come to work. Um, what does your mandatory policy look like? So right now, our mandatory policy is the your middle day off, either a.m. or p.m., and it's obviously reverse seniority. So all the new rookies that just get out are, are getting their, their man calls in and then, you know, for dress and There'll be two or three by the end of the summer, probably. And they they ask you if you can't make it to type a special report, you know, child care or pre pre planned trips. And sometimes they allow you, you know, give you an excuse for it. You don't show up. And you might slide. Sometimes they'll say no, you can't. You still got to be here. Uh, so that kind of really wrenches people's emotions as to you know they're not nobody's sticking up for us. They know they know that. You know, we know that every year there's Mother's Day, there's Father's Day, there's the 4th of July. These holidays don't change. Like, why aren't preparing ahead of time for them? Instead of waiting to the week of, say, oh, guess what? Sorry, you have to come in on Saturday morning. We may need, may, may need you, we may not. Uh, minimum, we'll call you an hour before and say you're canceled, or you might have to work 12 hours. You know, you come in and we don't need you, you're going to get four hours of time. So if they, so on your Mando day, if they call you in, but then they end up not needing you, they're going to pay you at least four hours. Yep. They'll pay you four hours. That's, that's contractual. So that's in the, that's in the union contract. Yes, sir. Yep. So what's DC? DC is, is, is completely union. And so everything you've done is, is done according to your, to your union contract. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. Okay. You say supposed to be. So what does that mean? Sometimes there's gray areas in that the union has to you know, say that, you know, the way it outlines in the order book, which is, you know, different than the collective bargaining is for the good of the default sometimes does supersede because obviously we are a, you know, a no strike union. You can't not show up. We have a service to provide, um, but they try to accommodate when it comes to some of these mandatory callbacks they try their best and sometimes it just doesn't work out so i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to a serious topic here and, and you guys mentioned you've had two suicides in the last year correct yep yeah they well 2018 i think was oh, back so, to back so it's been yeah. so it's been a bit then and that's what kicked what the peer support really into gear because um, 
one of the suicides was run by one of our own companies. And the only way they knew the individual is they got there and his ID was on the table. So then, you know, people from management showed up and they're like, let's talk about this. And they're like, no, we don't want to talk to anybody. And finally, once they were able to kick everybody out and let them go for the night, they went down the street to a pizza place. And from what the guys had told me, like, that's all we wanted to do was get out of the firehouse. And I think it's the same thing like that TJ talked about after their line of duty is they don't need people in their face. They need their comfort zone before they allow outsiders in. Learned a lot from that podcast. You said you learned a lot from that podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, so, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, today is the, uh, Eight year anniversary of uh, Lieutenant Kevin McRae passing away. Go ahead and uh, talk about go ahead and talk about him for a minute. Um, I don't I didn't know Kevin very well, um, so I, I I don't want to speak to him. Right, and and I didn't know that either. I just remember like this situation. Yeah, they ran a fire, and something had happened to him in the course of that fire. Um, that it's somebody who is actually now deceased from this job that said this, we were in a very a rocky time as a department, just leadership stuff that his passing probably brought the department back together. And got a brand new mayor, new mayor. So there was a brand lot new of fire chief. new stuff actually brought the department together closer. It's sad that it took, you know, the life of a firefighter at time, but it helped Britain some of the togetherness back. And and I'm going to ask you to correct me if I'm completely wrong. And if I, if I remember correctly, Kevin McCray, he, he, he died in a, in a fire, correct? Um, after a fire, uh, it was, uh, cardiovascular. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking he had a heart attack in the fire, but it was after the fire that he had it. Yeah. Uh, six engine was where he was assigned. Uh, and uh, from talking to uh, the guy that was uh, on the pipe that day, uh, they got the fire knocked and they were coming out to take a blow and uh, on the way out to have a collapse. And so your your own people respond to that, correct? And and how what did they experience after that? Like, do what, what, what was, what was the reaction from the department towards them after having to deal with that? From the outside looking in. Oh yeah. Uh, because, because, you know, we are fairly removed from six engine, four truck. Um, it pretty much looked like the department, the city gave the department an open checkbook. Um, they got him a uh, reserve wagon to run immediately so that they could put uh, their frontline wagon up on blocks, get that absolutely spit shine ready to go for the, uh, for the procession. Um, you know, any, anything and everything that uh, the funeral team needed to, uh, to put his send off together, I think they got. The city opened up the uh, the armory to hold the uh, memorial service. You know, they 
They shut the city down for the procession through the city. Went back past uh, 1330 M Street, Northwest, uh, out to uh, his final resting place. So, you know, the, the response from the city on the outside looking uh, was what I hope it would be for everybody moving forward. Uh, now, the day of, you know, in the firehouse, on the incident, I just, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. So we go back to referencing TJ's experience. What did you guys take away from that? So, you know, um, I personally have always called uh, 32 engine uh, my safe place. I've come in here. I'm dealing with the same assets every day. We're having the same fun. Hey, we're, we're, we're having a good time. Uh, and there's a feeling of security in here being surrounded by your people, right? And I never thought about how would I feel somebody dies in a line of and then news cameras and white shirts show up at the firehouse and I can even sit down in my chair and have a cup of coffee. So that was that was that was a big eye opener for me was hey, uh one of the senior guys, one of the officers is gonna have to if that happens here, hopefully not. Um, if the same story plays out, they're going to have to kind of grab somebody up and say, "Can these guys have some space?" You know, there's there, there's a lot of truth. Wants it out the table and uh, need a meal together, shoot shit, watch a basketball game, you know, whatever. We just want things to be normal. And our normal isn't really normal. And, and we've, we've kind of always like talked about that, you know, having lives outside of the firehouse. But I think sometimes our significant others are like, you want to go back to work? Like, yeah, because the chaos we've under, we've come to understand. And as much as we can't control the runs that we go on, we can control and we've come to, to understand our chaos of Southeast of. The, the environment in which we work and then when you go home it's hard for that person to understand how you have that much passion desire to be in the chaos that is work and then try to leave that at home we'll leave that at work not go home and then you know little things kind of will irk you at home that may or not have irked you in the firehouse different a different chaos I, mean, oh. I, I have a four, i have a four-year-old at home uh, he's a handful sometimes. Um, and I would, on his bad days, when he's not listening and throwing tantrums and being a kid, I would much rather be at work dealing with the adult children that I work with than dealing with my own child because they're easier to control and we all speak the same language. It's it's that word chaos that I, I keep coming back to in these episodes. <clears throat> and it's been... I don't, I don't know how many times I've said it. it. It's the chaos that, that many of us just thrive in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we, and I don't know, I've, I've, I've read, you know, what it is for trauma and ADHD or whatever it is. I've read what it is to, to experience chaos. And, and for me, I know that when I go into a chaotic situation, I don't lose control. I, I narrow my focus down. And, yeah. and it's comfortable for me. 
And, and sometimes that that's worrisome because it is comfortable for me. And I don't know if, if you guys find that or not. Well, for me, and you know, I can, I can self-reflect on this a lot. It's, it's all about a feeling, even a sense of having control of the situation. Um, I pretty much control the situations here at work. Um, but you can't make a four-year-old or a significant other do something that they don't want to do, right? And I can, I can show up and, you know, we have, uh, we also have SOGs that tell us how to deal with situations. We have protocols that tell us how to deal with these situations. I don't have that book at home. Well, and not only that, but we, we go into a house fire and, and we can, from a science point of view, we can tell you what that fire is going to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's a known evil. Just got to put the line in the right place and flow the right amount of water for the right amount of time. The situation is going to go out. Yeah. And, and part of that is, is what I've tried to explain to people is like, oh, you're crazy for going to a house fire. No, I'm not crazy. I know exactly the, the people around me and we all know exactly what that fire is going to do. If we apply the right variables to that fire. Yep. And so it, it, that's, that's where I go back to that chaos because we do thrive off the chaos, but in reality, our chaos is, is kind of controlled. Yes. 100%, you know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, it's just like talking to a guy uh, who's in the military. You know, um, they want to go to war. Why? Because it's controlled chaos. They they can control it. They know it. You know, we want to do our jobs. And and I think it goes back to where you're saying your four year old. You can't control that. You can't control a four year old. No, everyone knows that. If you, there's such a delicate balance between. I don't know, dealing with a four-year-old's behavior and controlling a four-year-old. Nobody wants to control a four-year-old, but you still want to extrapolate the right decision from that person, from that kid. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Chaos is, is one of those words that, that, that I hear quite often in the podcast, and, and it's, it's a subject that I'd, I'd love to delve more into in, in the future. There's definitely a, uh, there's definitely a, uh, chemical addiction for some of us too that come with chaos. Good point. Great point. You're right. Because you we know, thrive off of it. We, we want to go be in a busy, busy house because there's more of a chance of us getting to do our job and our job is an adrenaline producing job at its design or at its, you know, at its core. So, Hey, maybe, maybe some of us are adrenaline junkies that, that instead of jumping off of, uh, bridges with, uh, bungee cords on our ankles, we like going to house fires. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. You're right. So Dan, as, as, as a, a leader of the peer support program in DC, mm -hmm. where do you want to see that program go in the future? So I definitely, um, I think with more, more and more, uh, 
membership, buy-in, understanding. Um, just the second nature that um, whenever there's a need, there's no hesitation to call that that number or call somebody that's on the team and say, hey, I got this going on. What do you got for me? And I think we're starting, it's small steps to get there, but uh, we did the pilot program. We call it Wellness Wednesday when we've gone to Firehouse. We've seen where senior guys, the technicians, will be the first ones to ask questions. And then it starts a chain reaction and everybody in that room gets involved. You leave with a sense of, okay, they get it. There's, there's more and more understanding of this and we can, we can keep this growth. And we've had members kind of waited to, we don't want to bring, um, (laughs) people onto the team that are fresh, just, just into the department. We kind of give like a, um, you know, a, a grace period, we'll say, and let people understand how the department works before we bring them on to the peer support team. Because, you know, it's a delicate balance. Of, you're going to hear, you're going to hear some of people's worst days. And you have to kind of just listen and then say, hey, had situations similar, or this is something new. Um, can I, you know, can I give you a resource or two? I'll call you back in a day or, you know, a couple of days to see how it's going and follow up with. So are there requirements other than that for the peer support? No, um, that's really the only ones we, we have. Like we don't want some of this in rookie school because obviously they got their training to be through and then their probation, they got to get to their probation so that they don't lose their job and then give them a little bit of time to understand how, how crazy the department can be. And depending on where they are, how crazy their firehouse can. Um, but at the same time, if they have interest, like they express interest to us and we kind of do like a little vetting process to make sure that that member is, is able to handle some of this stuff. Um, and I think some of it too goes to their, their social media, uh, and how, you know, do they have some outlandish posts or some outlandish kind of discussions that wouldn't vote well to be able to handle some other issues people bring to you. And then obviously the confidentiality stuff that plays into, you know, one break in that confidentiality and this program that we've taken since 2019 can all go out the window. What do you guys see as the most pressing issue in the fire service today? I think it's a difference. And, and we've seen, I think a, a lot of it is right now, this next generation of, some of it is self-inflicted burnout or uh, trying to almost do too much. And then when certain things aren't going the way that they, they wanted to, or they're, it's a repeat call of this, this style and this magnitude that it's kind of affecting them, but they haven't been able to reach out just yet. Um, what does self-inflicted mean for you in, in this, in this case? What, what does that mean? I think, finding that right work work life balance of some of the people that we see are people that work a ton of overtime or you know do a ton of things and don't have an out or a, a way of self-care and just taking a step back from work because it's that person works all the time as soon as they step away for a little bit 
somebody asks, Hey man, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, I'm fine. I just needed to like not work for two weeks of overtime and, and take my annual leave. My days off. because I was getting tired of, you know, constantly chasing the dollar and, and I'm, I'm missing out on doing things away from, from work. You know, a side note to that is, uh, we recently switched our, our payroll stuff and, and it's, it seems minimal and it seems, I don't negligible when you look at it, but, but one of the, the terms they use instead of, uh, leave or vacation balances, they, they use the word absence balances. And for me, that irritates me because it connotates that taking your vacation time that you've earned is a negative. Definitely has a negative connotation. Right. And it shouldn't. They call it an absence instead of vacation. Right. You earn that time. Like you should be able to use it when you need it. And if something comes up, the ability to for yourself, that's why you built this time. And so it's, it's, it's that understanding that you work to get time off too. So take that time, take advantage of that. So you guys, I'm I'm going to ask you one by one, and and I don't care who goes first. You you uh, you find yourself in a position of a fire chief one day. What is the first thing you want to take care of? What what's the one change you want to make when you get into that position? I'm going to remove politics, remove the woke culture, and let the firemen do their jobs. How do you remove politics? To be honest, I mean let, let's be honest. It, it that. I, I don't know. How do you do that? Going to let the mayor or whoever I'm working for, the county executive or whatever, uh, you hired me to do a job you know nothing about, let me run my agents. And I think, too, without getting, we, we've done it in the past where make sure that the basics are understood. Well, basics. Just the basics. If we have just the basics. Bravery. No, not those basics. Not the department basics. But our own basics of what this job is all about. That foundation is why a lot of us got into the career path. Like, go back to that and build up from there. So you, I don't think we need to do these. You know, there's so many little things are entailed in a 24-hour period as a company officer, uh, you just sit back and you're like, can I just, like, for one day not have to deal with every single report, making sure that this checkbox is checked and this box is checked and this box is checked. And I just go to work, get on the fire truck, have fun with my guys, take the calls that we go to a fire or two. And yeah, obviously, it's out in Enjoy, actually enjoying what you wanted to all do this job for. And I think it's a level of having fun, you know, getting the thing what we wanted to. So do you think there's a point in time in this career that you go, that there's a tipping point where you say, okay, it used to be fun? I think it comes and goes. Um, you know, when... When management's telling you, you know, you got to go to this class, you got to do that class, you need inspections, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like, it, when are we just going to do, when are we just going to like enjoy a day, take the runs, 
let the day go as it goes without telling us, okay, you have to be here for this. You have to be there for that. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause and, and the reason I asked that question is because I have a, a academy classmate who is a Lieutenant now. And, uh, she sent me a message the other day and she said, uh, she's, she was enjoying a drink and, and she said it was a rough night. And I just wanted to thank you for the, it was one of my glasses I had made from one of the pages. And, uh, I said, are you okay? And we had a conversation back and forth. And then my next statement was, do you remember when it was fun? And, and she said, yeah, I do. And I wish we could go back to that. And that's why I ask, is there a tipping point to where, where it doesn't, it's not fun anymore? I think there can be, um, you know, I don't think I've hit it. Uh, I think sometimes as we come up through, um, with our you know, lowest level officers being sergeant, sometimes it's different when you're getting tailed all around the city hmm. and you're 12 hours here, 12 hours there, and you start the day somewhere and you end half, halfway through, you're somewhere else and you get thrown into a mix and it's, you relieve somebody and they didn't take care of half the things that were supposed to be done. So now you've got to play catch up to all that. It's kind of like, at this point, I just want to go home and not shit for three days. Yeah, that that takes some of the fun out of it, doesn't it? All right, so we got one of you discussed what you would do as a first day as a fire chief. Dan, what would you do? Um, uh, it's an interesting one. I think the biggest thing would be to sit down and ask wherever you end up. What changes you could see from the top down? Ask, ask in that firehouse. Ask, you know, in these meetings, like the town halls and stuff like that. Like, what this is, as the chief, you are the, obviously the head of the department, but that department, your people are that department. What they want to see change or how do they want to see things go, you know, to a level of comfort, of normalcy, of, you know, how do you become that premier place and what it takes to be that. But you have to ask those that you employ, they have to have that in, in that input. It just be a bunch of heads is sitting in a room with white shirts saying, okay, this is how we're going to do that. No, it has to be people that are, that are doing the job have to have the input. I think that's, I think that's impactful because if you ask, uh, I don't know if you ask a district chief or, a, or an associate or a, excuse me, assistant chief or deputy chief or whatever you want to call them. If you ask those guys, they're going to speak from a position of power, but as opposed to boots on the ground, going to speak from a position of, of impact, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that's perfect. But um, we actually did not actually run. It's been a while, so. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm, uh, I'll let you guys go. We're almost on an hour, so I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, I know it was off the cuff, and it was it was kind of open-ended, but uh, that's perfect. I it. You know, let's kind of, we can, we can catch up another time for sure. Yeah, let's do it. You guys go out and do your thing. Uh, be safe, and, and we'll, we'll touch base again. Uh, thank you. All right, man. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Things We All Carry. Head over to the website, thethingsweallcarry.com, for show notes, resources, and to sign up for the newsletter. Until next week, take care of yourselves and remember to check in on each other.